Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Jesus. I am your host, Todd Ubley. Folks, the authority of God's Word seems to be coming up quite a bit lately, um, at least in, in my circles. I, I don't know if it has in your circles or not, but it just seems everywhere I look or everywhere I turn, the authority of God's Word seems to be coming up quite a bit. And I talked about this uh Briefly, in one of our past episodes, it was back to basics, the essentials. And ever since then, it just, it just seems to be coming up again and again and again. Almost like God is saying to me, all right, you've talked about this a little bit, but you really need to talk about this more. And so what I would like to do in this episode is explore the authority of God's word. Is God's word reliable? Is God's word the divinely inspired breath of God. And there are a lot of views about this within Christendom. In my own humble opinion, I think the authority of God's word is an essential to the Christian faith. Because if God's word is not authoritative in nature, then everything that it says can be questioned and it really undermines and undercuts the basic tenets of Christianity, that is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's not to say that God's Word doesn't have difficult parts to it or difficult passages. There are parts that are hard to understand and, and some that are hard to read. I'll be honest, folks. I, you know, I've mentioned how I do my own kind of Bible and two or three year program, right? The book of Leviticus, it's kind of a slog. It's really hard to, to get through sometimes, you know. There are parts of the Old Testament that really don't make sense. Deuteronomy, you know. Um, recently, I was in a church service where the pastor was talking about God's Word, and he mentioned, you know, a part of Deuteronomy where they talk about having to build their bathroom, essentially, outside the camp, right, for sanitary reasons. And in the 1800s, there was a legitimate debate in the church when indoor plumbing became a thing about whether or not churches should have bathrooms in them or they should be outside. And it's no secret that throughout time, people have twisted God's word to push agendas, right? They've used them to push political agendas like slavery. They've used them to push certain religious agendas. Any man-made terrestrial agenda, you can support it with God's word if you take parts of it out of context. And that's, that's really unfortunate because you know, and I've, I've debated atheists about this, and they take those situations. For example, in the early to mid-1800s, people used God's word to justify the horrible institution of slavery. It's not that God's word supports slavery. It's that man has twisted God's word to push a terrestrial a political agenda. And atheists love to do this kind of thing. They love to pick apart these sorts of things, in order to diminish or downplay God's Word. Not too long ago, I was sitting in church, and the pastor was giving a message, and I think that the point he was trying to make was how, as Christians, we need to take a more holistic approach in how we study God's Word. But some of the points he was making throughout the sermon, they, they kind of made me a little uncomfortable. And I, I might not have just been grasping what he was saying, but he almost seemed to be echoing some of the points that atheists have made. And folks, I've debated atheists in the past. 
And so some of the points he was making kind of mirrored some of the points the atheists tried to make in these debates. And again, God's word has been used and twisted in order to push some pretty horrendous things. And it's no surprise. In Matthew 4, Jesus was tempted, right? And Jesus responded to Satan with scripture. But what did Satan do at the very end? Satan used scripture to try and tempt Jesus. Satan was twisting the scriptures in order to get Jesus to sin. And again, Jesus responded with scripture in its practical, real way, right? Let me read the passage from you from Matthew 4, specifically verses 5 through 7. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now folks, the passage that Satan quoted comes from Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. So, the notion that scriptures have been twisted in order to pursue a evil or counterbiblical agenda is as old as the Bible itself, right? And I don't think that in itself necessarily discounts how authoritative that God's word is because it's been done all throughout history. So, with that being said, is God's word authoritative? Now, the Bible does speak to its own authority, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But I want to focus on some external sources for a minute. And it might seem weird for a a Christian podcast to look to secular sources. But there is the argument that the Bible referring to itself is sort of a circular logic. Now, I don't agree with this, and I'll get to why in in, in a little bit. But let's, let's put that to rest right off the bat. There was a first century historian by the name of Flavius Josephus, and he wrote about a lot of things we see in the Gospels. He wrote about Jesus Christ. He wrote about John the Baptist. He wrote about King Herod. He wrote about the the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Josephus was not a Christian. He was a Jew, and he wrote about Jewish history. He was, in essence, a secular yet contemporary writer to the early church. And he wrote about a lot of things that are in the first century writings that we have in our Bible. So, you know, the Gospels, the Book of Acts, these were written by people in the first century. Paul's letters were written in the first century. Peter's letters, John's letters. The latest book of the Bible was written approximately 96 AD, and that was written by John when he was in exile in Patmos. So when we have this contemporary account to when the books of the New Testament were written, that speaks to a lot of what these New Testament books speak to. That shows the historiography of the Bible to be correct. So we do have some of these external accounts that match with what the biblical accounts say. 
Okay, so that's great for the New Testament, but what about the Old Testament? Well, there are a lot of secular writings that match up with the Old Testament as well. There is archaeological evidence that supports a lot of what the Old Testament says. But there are also, again, secular writings. Um, the Babylonian Empire. There are a lot of secular writings, and some of these mention the lands that were taken over, right? When the Babylonian Empire fell, and it was taken over by the Medes and the Persians, there were also contemporary, secularly written accounts of what occurred that match what's in the Bible. King Cyrus allowed the Jews to return to their homeland. There was a lot of opposition to the Jews, okay? And a lot of the, um, the non-Jewish governors of the area, they conspired against the Jews. And here's the thing. Some of those writings from those non-Jewish rulers and officials, they are still around today. And not only are they still around, but they support the biblical account as well. So there are a lot of sources out there that are non-biblical that match the biblical accounts. So this right there shows that a lot of what the Bible is saying. Now, obviously, we can't prove every single word from an exterior source. Um, if we do it there, if we could, there would be no question, right? But I think that there's enough out there where we can see a pattern, and that pattern does show the accuracy of the Bible. So what about these internal sources? How could it not be circular reasoning if I use the Bible to prove that the Bible is authoritative and accurate? Well, the Bible is not a homogenous book. The Bible was written by a multitude of authors in a multitude of times in a multitude of places. What we have as our Bible today is basically a collection of different books. Um, the Old Testament is the Jewish scriptures, right? And the Old Testament is what the early church used to prove that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And they used the Old Testament, they used the Jewish scriptures to prove this. And that is how they won converts. The New Testament is a collection of letters, right? It's the Gospels, it's Luke's writings, and it's mainly Paul's writings with letters by John and letters by Peter. And there's a lot of debate over who wrote the book of Hebrews. But again, a lot of different authors writing in a lot of different times from a lot of different places. And some of these authors say some very similar things. I'd like to read three passages in particular. The first one comes from the Gospel of John, specifically John 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. John is talking about Jesus here, right? But the word that he uses, logos, is typically the word that's used for the Bible, or God's word, or the scriptures. Next, I would like to read from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul, 
who also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. And folks, there's a couple of things in here that I would like to break down. One, Peter is equating Paul's letters with the scriptures, right? I just mentioned how Peter and the other apostles used the Jewish scriptures to prove that Jesus was the Christ. And here we have very, very early on in the church where Peter is saying that Paul's letters are equivalent to scriptures. And here's the thing about Paul's letters, folks, and I'm going to go on a slight tangent here. They weren't just to the church in the city that he was writing. Those letters were passed around. They were passed from church to church. And in fact, Paul even mentions this in one point. In Colossians 4.16, Paul instructs the church there in Colossus, After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. So here we can see that Paul's letters were being passed from church to church, from place to place. And Peter later equates these letters with the Jewish scriptures, what we have come to know as the Old Testament. Speaking of Paul, no discussion on the biblical authority would be uh, complete without Paul's letter to Timothy, specifically 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, where Paul tells us, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This right here, in my mind, is like the scripture, right? Here we are told very definitively that all scripture is breathed by God. This tells us that all scriptures are authoritative. And again, the apostles were using the Jewish scriptures as their authority. And later on, Peter equates Paul's writings with those Old Testament scriptures. So folks, we have multiple witnesses that attest to the authority of God's word. We have three witnesses in the Bible itself. And there are a multitude of secular contemporary writers who also, while they don't specifically say, you know, God's word is accurate, their writings support the writings of the Bible. Like I said, Josephus writes about Jesus Christ. He writes about John the Baptist. He writes about Herod. He writes about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know, the, the secular officials during the Jewish return from exile, they wrote letters back and forth. They, they wrote letters to King Cyrus. They really tried to stop the Jews from rebuilding. And some of those writings survived that support the account that we have been given in Nehemiah and Ezra. So we have multiple accounts from multiple witnesses in multiple locations at multiple times throughout history. To me, this is, this is a pretty good bit of evidence, folks. And myself being an engineer, being a scientist, I like evidence. I like seeing things in black and white. I like being able to have data that supports a conclusion. But I'd like to close 
in talking about one thing that, frankly, can never be proven or disproven, but can also never be argued. That's faith. And a big part about adhering to God's word, adhering to the scriptures, living a Christian life. Some people say walking in Christ Jesus. A big part of this, folks, is faith. I had mentioned Hebrews earlier, and that wasn't by accident. (laughs) Um, While there is some great debate and discussion as to who the author of Hebrews is, it is one of the letters in the New Testament. And Hebrews talks about faith a lot. And the author of Hebrews does actually what I have tried to do in this episode. He builds up an intellectual, logical case. And then he ends it by talking about faith. And he says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. And folks, when it comes to the authority of God's word, I'm not going to lie. Faith is a big factor. I can present you all the evidence that I can find. You know, I do the research, I do the reading, I do the studying, and I can present you a plethora of evidence. But what it boils down to is our own personal faith. Do we, as Christians, have faith that the Bible, as we know it, is the inspired Word of God? Do we have faith that the Bible is God-breathed? Do we have faith that the Bible is useful for correcting, rebuking, teaching, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work? And I think that's what it comes down to, folks. I personally, I believe that God's word is inspired. I believe that it is God-breathed. I believe that it is authoritative. You know, and again, I've done a fair bit of research on this, not just for this podcast, but just in my own personal life, you know, for my own, um, you know, for my own well-being, my own knowledge, my own spiritual development. But what it really boils down to, folks, is faith. And I think, in my own personal faith, that yes, God's word is authoritative. And God's word is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And God bless.